to go, Danny? I'm ready. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. This is like our fifth episode with whiskey added to the title, Danny. How do you feel about that? Uh, Closer to the mic. Uh, Your co-host. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Oh darn it! <laughs> You've already failed as a co-host today. Dang it! I'm. Uh, this is Jake. I'm failed by my co-host Danny already. Wilson and Callum are not with me at all. So, Danny from King of Cups is filling in for this little road trip we took down to Brando Speakeasy in the South Loop. Say hello, Danny. Hello. <laughs> and, and also with us is Brandon from Brando's. Thanks for joining us. Yep, absolutely. Glad to be here. Everyone's real excited to be uh, missing the Trump speech tonight at the RN, uh, RNC. We're real sad. Hopefully we can make it home in time to see our dear leader give uh, some leadership to us. We can take a break from it and uh, from the podcast and watch it here. Uh, uh, or, we just, or we can just record a podcast and drink whiskey. No comment. <laughs> Not a political show, but I guess everything is politicized these days. Uh, that is very true, unfortunately. Well, Brandon, thanks for uh, coming on for the first time here. We've had... At least three or four other people from the from the King of Cups Brando's family on here. Esmeralda's as well, which is the newest bar of you guys. How is uh, that going so far? Oh, we're doing great. I mean, Brando's has been around for 13 years this October. King of Cups and Esmeralda's are two new great additions within the last year. And Danny joining the force about a year ago is probably one of the biggest benefits we could have Whoa. as a group. Oh, that's sweet. You should ask for a raise. It's a little crazy, he always, but... He always makes me feel warm inside. <laughs> as, a, as a one boss should. Uh, so have you been working here since you were 11 years old then? Close to it. <laughs> I've been around the bar business since I was two years old at Dennis Rodman's nightclub Illusions. Um, I started here after I stopped playing hockey in 2014. Okay. So I'm not going to say the age I was back then, but let's just say it might not have been the right age. Maybe some other surrounding states you've been legal to work in. But yeah. 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 Leave, no, leave it at that. Yeah, 2015, I started slowly taking over, and me and my dad have worked together ever since. That's real cool. Yeah. Your dad, Dino, who has to come on at some point. He's the only missing piece, I feel like, right now. Yeah, we'll get Elvis on soon. <laughs> He's a tough one to catch. He's always running around. He was the one that always told me I should come down here and sell whiskey. So it was thanks to him that we have the uh, new American classic, or new modern classic. Sunset Skyline. Yeah. All on the shelf, <laughs> Starwood Whiskey at Brando's. <laughs> Little uh, plug there for my company, I guess. Yeah, I do it shamelessly. Um, but yeah, so... You said hockey before. What was the was your goal to do that long term? Um, originally, yeah, I was a goaltender. Oh. I I had some knee issues, um, like almost all of us, but it yeah. it never really developed into anything um, substantial. So I took the turn to the family business, and here I am today. When did Dad start doing bar business? My dad's been involved in the bar business since the '80s. Um, yeah. He played semi-professional hockey in Canada, oh. in all three major junior leagues. And then when he moved back to the States, he slowly got involved. Bouncer, manager, promoter, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Led up to now. Was it? <laughs> Go ahead. You should try and, you should try and uh, listen to some stories Dino has about Dennis Rodman's club. Oh, oh so you, oh you actually read Dennis Rodman's I, club too. I would watch Barney on the big screen while the Russians that were part owners would bring me stuff. And I was, I was the golden child at that place. Nice. Yeah, I actually <laughs> met Dennis Rodman. I said, no, Michael Jordan. Because, eh. He didn't dislike me I'd, after that. I'd though. rather meet Dennis Rodman than Michael Jordan. I feel like we'd get along. I think it'd be a better time. I agree, now that I'm this age. so Michael Jordan would just sit there with a glass of whiskey and a long cigar and talk, talk, and, gamble. and talk, and gamble. It's probably a little bit different now. Or play piano, too, based on the, on the last dance. piano? 
Well, in the last dance, he always had a piano in his room. Oh. <laughs> I doubt he actually plays it though. I started oh, cool. watching that. I didn't finish it though. It's it got it, it was great um, insight, and then obviously with nothing else to do in April and May, it was awesome to watch. But I feel like episode four, five, and six was kind of like Kardashians for middle-aged men in a way. Yeah, it, it was, was a little embarrassing, but hey, it, it's it's cool to go back and see. It. I think it ended really well. Um, but I thought the, one of the best parts of it was like the whole part on Steve Kerr and his family. Oh, that was cool. That the, was the, very cool. The 20 minutes on that was fascinating because I never knew that whole background. I don't think. Steve Kerr's got a lot of depth to his life. Steve right. Kerr's a cool person. Right. Oh, he's done a lot now. I mean, he's been coaching the Warriors for how many years now after his career. So. Yeah. And now they have the number two draft pick. <laughs> Which I don't probably, know if they need that. They'll, they'll probably trade it and get somebody awesome for it and then start a whole new chapter of their dynasty there you go just like belichick and the patriots unlike the bears and the yeah. bulls of the last 21 years and we'll see what the white Sox this year and there we next. go who knows cubs maybe does it count though this year let's go white Sox. that's the question danny what? as a big sports fan yeah i know that's why i was keeping quiet i could probably <laughs> name like one athlete um just one I, think it counts. Athlete. I guess so i think the shortened season puts a, it's a little heightened now it's so, cool i think yeah I mean, with baseball, I've never been a fan of watching a lot of ba- – I watch playoffs in, in certain games. Right. But the shortened season's a plus to me, at least. I think it's – I agree with that. It kind of makes every game count. It's like college football yeah. in a sense, or even NFL for that matter. Yeah, true. I haven't watched like any baseball games. Do they have, like, the virtual the virtual stands? They, <laughs> I saw they, some people were They have virtual yeah. fans. Yeah, Fox will, like – there's no one there, and then it'll be, like, a foul ball, and all of a sudden there's, like, fans in the crowd that are kind of, like, oh, so pixelatedly <laughs> moving. Like those little, like – Things in front of car dealerships. It looks like uh, <laughs> what was that old computer game um, where you like build your own town? Oh, what was that called? Sims. Yeah. It's oh, kind of yeah, 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 yeah. It's all pixelated and small. You can't really tell what's going on, but you know somebody is there. <laughs> it's uh, no, it's like sports. Everything else has changed, obviously, in our lives, especially here in the bar industry, which we focus on talking about. But tangentially, we'll speak about other things like sports. But um, how was uh, how was when Brenda's first opened? What was it like down here? So down in the loop, we're in like the middle of the loop yeah, in the South Loop. Right. We're, we're basically in the financial district. But um, down here during the day, it was a lot of business people, um, lawyers, uh, city workers, state workers, all that kind of stuff. At night, it was not as nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little bit of a skid row, a lot of homeless, um, lots of violence. Right. And over the years, it's changed a lot. So down here, it's kind of untouchable now. Right. Because I remember when I first moved to Chicago in like 2010, you didn't come down to this area, really, especially yeah. after work. You just kind of go home if you were down here. Never yeah. even, like, working here in 2009, probably, I came here for work. I'm much older than you guys. <laughs> um, but, well, not much older than Danny, but. No, I think we're the same age. Maybe a month or so. Um, but it just the people are like, I'll oh, be careful when you're walking around. Like, it's Chicago, downtown. And it's like, and it wasn't really anything dangerous about it. It's nothing around to do, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this I, I wouldn't call this neighborhood back into that. We opened in 2007. So I, I wouldn't have called it dangerous, but it definitely was not safe, um, at yeah. night at least. Right. Um, and, and given the fact that we have the Board of Trade, the CBOE, the financial buildings, the courthouses, all that stuff, it was pretty impressive that it was as dangerous as it was mm-hmm. at night. Um, given what was around it. <laughs> it's kind of uh, like downtown L.A. Like, yeah. It's a huge financial center, but then it's also, it is Skid Row, literally. Yeah. Uh, it's changed a lot over the years, but now it's kind of regressing back into that. Um, but yeah, downtown L.A. was no place you ever really wanted to go. 
even though Chicago is an epicenter, and over the last decade it's been built up into much more of a tourist desti- destination. Yeah, thanks more Mayor Daly well, for that, I guess. Even, even like River North back then, it was just a bunch of adult bookstores yeah. right, for truck stops. <laughs> That's all it was. On, you still have yeah. that one on Hubbard. The right one on by Hubbard. The, the yellow, yeah. yellow yeah. sign. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so like, uh, how have you seen it change? Um, I mean, honestly, we were one of the first places down here that mm-hmm. had longevity. And being who we were... I mean, we we rolled with the punches of the changes in the neighborhood, and it went. Uh, they moved a mission. They had a, a homeless shelter that mm. was a couple blocks away from us, but they moved it. And unfortunately, I mean, it it's sad to see it be moved and people have to be re- relocated. But that was a big driving factor behind mm. it. A lot of it, at least. Was that was it creating lost customers from that, or do you think I'm people were customers not coming in because of that, like more dangerous foot I mean, traffic? Down here, it, we really never had, like, customers down here. In the last five years, I'd say, there's been a lot more residential being built. True. So we've gained a lot of regulars through that. But back then, I mean, a lot of our customers were from throughout the city. Um, and people didn't really come down here for entertainment. Right. Uh, the South Loop Loop area was not known for entertainment. Yeah, there's there's no other bars really around here. There's no other bars really around here. Yeah, right? I mean, we have... Several, but they're usually only open until 10 p.m. Yeah. We're really w- one of the only places down here open late other than like one or two 4 a.m. bars. But um, like I said, I, I, would call us a, I, I would call ourselves a destination with the karaoke and cocktail program and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Definitely. We try to offer something different. Yeah. Well, the, Go ahead. Uh, the, the clientele that comes here, too, they're always, they're always different. You never know what to expect. Every time I come here, it's like a completely different crowd. But strong yeah, like, regulars. Is this still, yeah. We are, we're, we're, I would go as far as saying we are probably top five most diverse bars in the city. That's a long <laughs> shot, but we, we, we are very, very diverse it's, here. It's a, different, it's a different scene every single time I come in. I yeah. came in one time, and I saw like a bunch of people dressed up in Star Wars costumes. Yeah. Then you come the next time, and everybody's like singing like it's, a, yeah. like it's Grease or something. <laughs> I mean, we, we've, when we first opened in the first couple years, uh, we had the cast of Annie living in the building above us, and really? they would be in all the time. That's cool. We've had the cast of the Jersey Boys, the cast of Aladdin, um, we've had so many people through this place. Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, there's a there's a whole list of names in my head right, right now. I'm blanking, but it's, yeah, because I've cool. always kind of known this place before coming down here this summer, this past summer and spring, um, and early winter as more of like a tourism bar, I guess. Or like people know about like, people like send like their friends here because you can have the karaoke and have a good time like that. Yeah, or like um, an after work crowd as well. Yeah, I mean, I would say we have a very large after-work crowd until about 8 o'clock, and then it shifts. And I'd say it's an, a very big mix of locals, not from down here necessarily, but the city in general, mm-hmm. and then tourists. Cool. So right now, that's not working out for us very well, but hey. Someday, it'll come back. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, it's kind of, I was wondering if it was kind of like the housing crash of 08 and 09, where things were getting built up around here, and then all of a sudden you had these big buildings that were just empty, and you see one or two lights on here and there, yeah. and you think a crowd can be built from those residents coming in here, and then it kind of dies off, and the whole country slowly uh, stops traveling for a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't obviously like this, where tourism has completely stopped for the most part, but um, is there any parallel to that? I would say there is. I mean, to an extent, at least. Obviously, different circumstances. But um, given what's happened, I mean, not being political whatsoever with what's going on, but there's a lot of um, movement down here with with peaceful protests. And then also, on the other hand, you have the riots and the looting. And as a Chicagoan, even though 
we own the bar, I, I understand why people don't want to come down here right now. It's just not something that people want to do and, and stretch themselves to do because of what's going on. I was wondering about that, too, because I was I mean, I went to multiple protests back in June and all that and or late May. And as it's kind of developed into more of a looting and a riot scene than it has, I think, protest a lot lost it's lost its sense of the first amendment in my yeah. opinion um not all not all of it but a large part of it to an extent un- yeah, un- yeah, unfortunately um do you worry about you know things being broken into you have a really nice bar here is it wor- do you worry about like the windows um yeah i mean when the first wave of riots hit uh or the it, it, tur- it started as protests and yes. then developed into riots because of several people uh we were one of the only businesses to not be touched okay. um in this area, I'd say within a mile, there was maybe a handful of places that didn't get touched. Yeah. I mean, I was walking down I mean, here the day after. I walked the, I walked from Lakeview yeah. straight down Clark all the way down the South Loop and just walked around downtown, walked around the city to see what had happened the night yeah. before. And it was, it was it, like, I was literally crying in the middle of Lake Street. You're like, it's you're bad. seeing, you see your city kind of just destroyed like that. And you've on one hand you're you understand why there's so much aggression and so much anger towards people but Absolutely. you don't want to see the destruction take place either Absolutely. As, a, as an owner of a business a small business you know you you hope that i guess the people of the city respect it the, the positive i take out of what's going on right now is that i know that a majority of the people in this country do not want the violence and looting and rioting right. to go on. They want change to an, like to, to whatever their goal may be with, with police change and, and new training and stuff like that. Absolutely. I'm all for it. And I know that a lot of people do not agree with what's going on in the terms of rioting and looting. And that's what keeps me asleep at night. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't lose sleep because I know a majority of people in this country are good people. So... That's what you got to look at at the end of the day. I agree. No, because I, I think sometimes it gets to you so much where you see only the negative parts of it. And the biggest thing I wanted to do, like when I was in the protests, I'm a photographer as well, is photograph the, the thousands of people that are being peaceful and not focus on the on the bad apples that go in after dark, Absolutely. after it was all ending and doing that. I'd say like even even watching it, like going out there on the streets, like probably 80% of the people are peaceful. Right. Absolutely. You know, right? And then just that 20% are... If, even, if, even, if, le- yeah, yeah, even even that, I mean, that. it's probably more like five percent. It really yeah, is probably yeah. like five. And the, the problem is, is that while we still need to preach the messages of change, we also need to make sure that we're not letting that five percent take over the narrative. Right. You can't let them grab control of it because when they grab control of it, then it all gets washed away. And you got to stand up for what's right right now, mm-hmm. obviously. And looting is not right no matter what's going on in the country we do need the peaceful protests yeah go preach your first amendment rights i'm all for it but we got to get a hand on the other stuff yeah people people are scared to stay in the city i've talked to at least (laughs) at least six friends that are moving out of out of state back home where they're from and i feel like around the loop not a lot of people are from here like we're raised in the loop they're all from out of state and stuff so it's just a ghost town around here like Tuesday, I think I saw probably forty people walk by. Yeah, especially it's crazy. like during rush hour, these sidewalks are usually full. Like people passing on the right and left, just like constantly walking. Have There's nobody work, on the street. Coming down to shop, whatever. Hey, so I mean, let's I guess you can try to focus on something positive or something at least positively developing. Um, how are you running everything through this then, as a company? The good thing is, is that after being here for almost thirteen years. Um, we're grounded in what we do. Mm. We know what our customers want. 
Um, we try to supply that as best we can. And with what's going on when it comes to monetary issues with the lack of customers, we know that at the end of the day, um, as long as we can survive the storm, yeah. we'll be here for the sun. Um, and we know people follow us. They like the place. We try to create a good atmosphere, a fun environment where everybody's welcome. And that's really it. I mean, we just have to survive the storm. It is what it is right now. That, yeah. sh- that should be a poster. We survived the storm. We'll be here for the sun. I think it's a Batman ad. Is it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. There's a new Batman. I've never out. heard that. Downtown Chicago feels a who's, lot like Gotham. Ba- so right. hey, who's playing yeah, Batman? Right yeah, who's playing Batman? Robert Pattinson. No, like the guy from Twilight. Yeah. Oh, he'd be yeah. a good Batman. Yeah. Maybe. Even hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say oh. something that most people won't agree with. I think Ben Affleck was a decent Batman. No, it's just a bad movie. Yeah, bad movie. I think he was okay. Is that, is that the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger as Iceman? Was that Ben Affleck? <laughs> no, 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 that, that was, was Val Kilmer. Was Val Batman Kilmer. versus Superman. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, many moons ago. And then George Clooney <laughs> after him. Was yeah, it I mean, Val Kilmer? To end the other conversation on a positive note is that we're moving forward as a city. Everybody yeah. that is is grounded in knowing that what's the, the looting and rioting is bad also knows that we need to change things. And with that, that's the positive yeah. view on it. And we'll we'll get back to normal Definitely. soon. What was normal for you guys? Like describe a, reg- a typical you know night here before everything happened. A typical night, man. I mean, most places would say they're busy on the weekends. We had a crowd every day um, after work and locals, like I said, and a lot of tourists. But I mean, from open to eight o'clock, tons of after work business people, whether it was lawyers, judges, um, everybody, business people from the loop would come here. For our happy hour. And then 8 o'clock, it would shift usually. And between 8 and 10, it would kind of change from more of the business crowd to more of a locals mm-hmm. and tourist crowd. Gotcha. And then it would last until we closed. So it's a fun place. Singing it really the whole is. time? Yeah. yeah I did like not grow to love karaoke. Yeah, I, I grew I, to love karaoke. I misspoke. Yeah, talk about yeah, talk about that, that karaoke scene in here. Yeah, I am not a singer. Dino's a singer. I've, I've heard Dino sing. Is that where you get the Elvis name from? Oh, yeah. He looks like a, a little like Elvis. So. Sure I don't does. know if he'll like that, but hey. <laughs> Sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is cool. It's a unique spot for everybody to come and like, hang out and like, have a good time. And that's what's so much lost between all of this is that we just don't have those spots or you don't have the safety maybe to be permitted to uh, be open up. But for you guys, at least you serve food, so you still can yeah. be open up, which yeah. is a big part of the law. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say I agree with our current leadership in Illinois, even though I do lean left and terms of a lot of politics i just don't think that they're equipped to handle the shit that's we were talking going on about right our now. last conversation when's it going to uh, last podcast uh with the guys over at fountainhead about when is it gonna be the time to just say we all know the effects of covid we all know the circumstances that we're in and the risks we have to take to go out and can bars and establishments just open up to 75 percent capacity and say no, everybody wear a mask. Maybe you take a temperature when you walk in, but you know what happens when you go out. There's, there's the Just risk. Take your own. Yeah, risk. yeah. I mean, so businesses I, can survive. I, I agree. I, I, the temperature thing has been proven to not work because right. somebody can have COVID nineteen and not have a high temperature. It's a placeholder, I guess. Initially, it's it's to make people feel better. Right, and you what you'd have to do is that and a waiver probably. Yeah, where you go. So if you go to I, a concert, you go to a comedy show, you go to a bar. 
I mean, it would suck for everybody to come in and be like, here's yeah. a waiver, but maybe it would open up some business still. I mean, I, I honestly think that having uh, – this the, the great thing about this country is that it's uh, we're, we've been founded on states' rights. So the state mm. of Illinois has elected Democrats, right? right? And the Democrats in power are the ones that write the laws and, f- like, f- figure out how to navigate through a crazy time like this. Because we haven't dealt with anything like this since the 1918, I think it was, Spanish I mean, yeah, flu. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, but realistically, I mean, with the ma- a mask mandate, which is already in effect, yeah. and 75% capacity and social distancing to an extent, I really think that that should be enough to kind of o- reopen and move forward. Obviously, on the other end, you want to take care of our vulnerable and the people that can get sick and, and uh, possibly die from this. Yeah. So with things like essential stores, a bar is not an essential store, like a grocery store is an essential store. Right. So the essential stores, you require masks. You require a quarter of their original capacity. Um, what they're doing right now with seniors having the hour before they open to shop. I'm in full favor of that. Right. But realistically, people should be allowed to choose whether they want to take the risk or not. And the state, on the other hand, should also protect the vulnerable people mm. and make sure that those vulnerable people aren't going to be exposed to a potential deadly virus if they don't want to go into, say, a bar. Yeah. So with that, I, I think that we should open, obviously, like, or be, be more fully open, right. I guess, in a sense, without the extreme um, closure policies that we currently have in effect. Give the businesses the right to open up if they choose to do so. Yeah, at the end of the day, being an American is about personal choice, Yeah. right? And every aspect of your life, you're supposed to be able to personally choose what you want to do with your body or whatever else in your life. And right now, this is also, I think, an area of personal choice while still needing to protect our vulnerable. Right. And our city has been trying to do, create, not necessarily create a bubble, but protect everything from the outside coming in as much as possible. Yeah. And we've probably been one of the most successful cities at doing that. Absolutely. States. We're we're the most successful state in Kerbang that had a high percentage. Absolutely. And obviously, just because we're on top of each other and we take public transit, those numbers were going to be very high initially when we first started going. Yeah. We have a lot of uh, interaction with, like, bars and restaurants, you know, not necessarily over allowing capacity but just a lot of people in small areas yeah, absolutely. And, we, and we live and we live on top of each other we and live it in being a, a tourist town too right. over the summer so. right exactly. and a big business town where there's a lot of international yeah. travel coming in and out of yep. that so that started Third those high largest numbers. airport in the u.s i think sounds about right I always find to fly out of o'hare yeah, right. <laughs> my useful my my last life before covid was flying a lot and i don't miss it too much and i agree with you i think there's somewhere between what we're doing now in full capacity of bars and in businesses in general yeah. to open back up. And the biggest thing I have about that is that you have to have a personal responsibility as in the consumer, the guest of the, of the patrons of any place is that who is in your life? Like if you have people who are, you know, per, like preconditioning, pre, uh, pre-exposed conditions to this, Older, then, right. Pre- pre-existing conditions, anything that would affect them with the virus. Right. Yeah. And if like you live with their parents or you have a grandparent, you see a lot, maybe you just, can't see that person you have to choose like am i going to go yeah. out and start living my life and, and not unfortunately a lot of people don't think like that right because i mean it's I know probably a scare of the government for letting it happen too yeah i mean the government you can't control things to that degree right. we can we can do things like like try and 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 um get the country to to buy on with wearing a mask because i'm in favor of that 100 like, percent 
but you can't you can't force people. I mean, when you start forcing people, you turn into a little bit of a communist China. I mean, they they force their people to do what they want. Right. And I don't mean that in a political way, but I mean that um, the people at the top, and I think we all know who I'm talking about, should have made a point to make it a good thing to wear a mask. And unfortunately, that did not happen. And then the the opposite of that is happening literally as we speak with 2,000 people sitting in the garden of the White House not wearing a mask, listening to a president talk who's not going to wear a mask. And last night, if he follows suit as he did last night, take photos with people um, in the crowd. No one's wearing a mask. He's not wearing a mask. Which is kind of a conspiracy theory, which I'm not that kind of person at all. It's like, does he have an and already? Because he's standing really close to a lot of strangers. <laughs> you know. See, I agree with you when it comes to the stranger thing, but I mean, like I said, non non political. Yeah. Um, the if you're on the the rose garden, if you're on the rose garden lawn, you're outside. Right. There's social distancing. I don't agree with taking photos next to each other, especially the president of the United States. <laughs> I mean, we need him. And I mean, well, do I we? don't know what. So yeah, <laughs> hey, nah, change. But, I mean, that it just doesn't make sense for him to come into close contact with people like that. It doesn't right. make sense for any president to do that. And we lost our surveillance rights in, after 9-11 and never got them back. You know, it's, yeah. we, I understand the mandate. I was really, I don't know if I was against masks. I was just uh, very cautious to following in line and following suit when it comes to, why do I need a mask to be outside to walk my dog, for example? You agree. Yeah, some people go way too far with right. it. Like, and they're in their own house wearing a mask right. Absolutely. And that's And that's you know? where the fact of not having a nationwide mask mandate comes into play. And like I said, non-political, um, it should be a genuine want to protect your fellow citizens from getting something that you potentially carry. I agree. And if it was, pro, if it was um, projected from both sides that that was a thing and not just the left or the Democrats, then I think most people would be doing that. But... I mean, we have such a political divide in this country that is unspeakable that you can't even can't even broach the topic without right. having an issue. Well, this is the biggest example of it all. I mean, it we're essentially saying no to science and yes to politics and politicizing yeah. this this issue right now. And like, do you think people are just not dying? Like, those numbers are fake or yeah. what it might be? But the foundation of science is that is definitely just thrown away Absolutely. for politicizing this uh, this entire pandemic. I mean, it's like schools. I mean, right. it's, it's happening on both sides, unfortunately, and that's where the disconnect is. It's like they're, both parties are serving their own interests. They want to get reelected at the end of the day. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, a majority of countries around the world are opening their schools because they know that the science proves that it's okay. Mm-hmm. New York City is opening their public schools soon. But they're doing a sweep of the ventilation. They're making sure the ventilation is proper. And they're taking the necessary steps to make sure that while sending these kids back to school, which is necessary, especially for a lot of single parents or or parents that both work, they're making sure that the necessary precautions are taken. And at the end of the day, I really think that's what matters most. Just making sure the people that are working are safe. That's really it. You think there would be some kind of... uh I don't know, this meeting in, in the middle somewhere because we do have some teachers that listen to this podcast that I, I've talked to and they're kind of scared to go back. And these are healthy people as well who I've talked yeah. to in person. And that's the scariest part where as a teacher, you know, how am I supposed to teach these kids when on your mind the entire day is like, am I going to get sick from that person? Is someone going to come here that shouldn't be here um, and not follow the rules that you put in the place and the protocol you put in the place to keep everybody safe at the end of the day? Yeah. And I, it, it's, yeah. it's tough. My parents were both teachers too, and I talked to them about it, and they're retired. And 
they were like, I don't know if I want to teach. My dad was a high school yeah. principal for 20 years, and I'm sure this would have probably killed him because you're just going back and forth every day trying to decide what's yeah. the right thing to do for your, for your students, for your teachers, for the community as well at large. Like you said, there's a lot of people that depend on that on those meals every Absolutely. single day with a single parent. At the end of the day, especially in cities like Chicago, teachers are an essential worker. Right. Okay. And and that does not mean that we need to expose them and potentially hurt them by by having them contract the virus. But yeah. kids are essential. The education of our, 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 our children in the United States is essential. Yeah. And whether we send them back to a brick-and-mortar school or figure out another solution, mm. we got to figure something out. I agree. Like, I, it doesn't matter it, what it is. But. It's kind of cool to see kids in the city. I've never noticed how many kids actually live in the city until the pandemic. Yeah, and I went to a Chicago public school. And they're out riding their bikes and everything. And like, Obviously, they're all on their phone, too, at the same time. <laughs> but it's, it kind of gets back to like how I grew up, you know, just riding your bike to your neighbor's house and seeing if they're home. And then outside playing baseball, playing basketball for 10 hours. And then your parents are like, where you been? And come home for dinner. Yeah, get uh, home before you, the streetlights right, turn right, on. Right, pretty much. <laughs> and if not, bang. But Danny, how do you feel? I mean, when it comes to safety, and a teacher, obviously. I mean, you're an educator of love, cocktails, drams, and all around <laughs> a good time. But I mean, do you feel safe working in a bar? Uh, yeah, I mean, most people most people respect it and wear the mask when they come up to order. Um, it's just it's just hard telling drunk people to follow these rules. Right. Oh yeah. Like, hey, keep your mask on. You know. And they're like, shut up! You're not my mom. You know, <laughs> <stuff> <laughs> like that. You? No. Oh. <laughs> but like that kind of response. That's where but I most people are pretty respectful. So I, I, I feel totally safe. Um, we take all the extra precautions right. here and at all the all the other bars, like hand sanitizer, checking temperature. We have those screens. Uh, social, distancing. social distancing. The first time yeah. I took a temperature at King of Cups, it registered as like 92.2. So <laughs> 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 then it was 97.7. So. There you go. Yeah. It You're got, okay. It got you back passed. up there. I remember Griffin's like, <laughs> I don't know if a low temperature is COVID, but hey. Right, right. Never right. know right now. Maybe you're just dead. <laughs> no, because it is an interesting setup you have at King of Cups because it's kind of more of a European style where there's no waiters. And waiter says you walk up to the bar and you place your order that way, um, which I guess it's always gives you a chance of being exposed to somebody. Yeah, uh, we typically do the bar service only, but... We've turned into it's, servers pretty yeah, much. It's it's pretty easy with the twenty five percent capacity too. There's only Good a point. couple tables. You're not running around. Yeah. What's uh crazy. so Esmeralda's is your new place over in Humboldt Park. What's the layout like that over there? Uh it's about the same size as King of Cups, like fifty people capacity, but we have a, a big patio. It's a pretty a big long patio bar. Up front. Yeah. But there's like twelve seats at the bar. There you go. But then outside we have Eight tables, I think. Oh, nice. So there's plenty of seating outside, but um, once it gets cold and we can't have the patio open. That's the biggest thing. And what do you do in two months when the colder months approach and there's no longer, even the places that are open for patio service, what what do you do if you don't have inside availability? It's hard, man. I mean, I I don't remember the exact figure, but I think it was 40% of businesses like in the hospitality industry, like restaurants and bars are closing. Yeah, and I know of a lot in the city of Chicago already that are closing. And uh, God, God, thank God that us as a 13-year business are, were able to withstand the storm and and financially survive to be able to have um, our employees come back to work and mm-hmm. our customers come back to enjoy the space. But I know a lot of people aren't as fortunate. And the winter, honestly, if 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 
things don't loosen up a little bit while also making sure we stay safe, it's really going to hurt a lot of people. Yeah. It's, a lot it's, of people. The conversation always comes back to, I think, at least what I've had is you got to have um, the business, but you also have the safety too. And the balance act between that is it's going to be harder too in the winter. I just heard a doctor talking yesterday about how, you know, it, the flu season is going to expand, obviously, when the colder months come in. So people, their initial thought is, I have COVID. So yeah. is there's a potential storming the hospitals that way because you're going to have more calls and more people thinking they ha- might have COVID when really they might just have like a you know 24-hour flu or a 24-hour bug or a sniffle. Yeah. Yeah, it could be could be a cold, and right. they're like, oh, everything everything's corona. And then COVID. even the fact that we do stay indoors more during the wintertime, there's a more chance of it spreading that way as well. Um, this doctor was talking about, but I'm like, well, if nothing's open, I mean, there's, and then there's no there's no True. issue, right? So it's it, something has to open to have that effect. But at the same time, if you don't, I mean, we're seeing suicide numbers go up like five percent in certain states. Mental health is an extremely important topic of right. discussion throughout this and I think that's getting lost in the mess of our current political culture yep it's hard because you have a lot of people that are depressed especially with what's going on now there's a lot of people that were depressed before Mm -hmm. and then this happened and then it got 10 times worse yeah I mean I know personally I was not a depressed person but being at home that long after working as much as I did every day of the week multiple hours a day from 10 a.m. to 3 a.m. not consistent like not straight through but it is a difficult it's it's hard to adapt to a, a new world like that yeah and and just knowing the mood that i was in a lot of the times i could i i pray for the people that are depressed already or have yeah. mental health issues yeah. or I, are I, in a domestically yeah. like a domestic violent relationship like it's scary it, it's hard like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, child abuse that's not being reported oh, yeah. because it's at home now. Which is another reason for schools if those open, hopefully those numbers exactly. are down, or those kids could report those cases, or teachers could pick up on that. Exactly, yeah. teachers are a very valuable asset to this country. They are not paid enough. They are not treated well enough, um, but they are an essential worker. Um, and it, it's it's scary with the amount of stuff that's going on. How much more happens on the back end? Mm-hmm. Of COVID. Oh, I agree. So. And uh, back on the mental health, like I'm somebody who has struggled with depression my entire life. I just one of those things where you really can't explain it. And, you know, I could, right now I have a great job. I have my wife who, like, we're just talking today. Like, we've only been apart for four days over the last five and a <laughs> half months, which is hard. You know, it takes a oh, yeah. relationship that way. And we've been together for seven years. Um, but it's I'm, I'm always struggling with mental health. And with the news that's happening now and you feel like you, you're helpless in the world where you're – like I'm a white guy, but I also want the world to be better. And I was never—I was never taught to, you know, judge somebody by the color of their skin or anything yeah, like that. That's and it, so when you see that, when you see like your friends who are, you hear these stories about like how their their experience in life is so much different than yours because of the color of your skin, and makes you want to break down. You see people getting, just, it's foolishly shot. I mean, I don't know what the other way to describe yeah. it other than that. And I take like I said that the. the it compounds totally um, the weight of the world into my head personally. And absolutely. And you're like, how do I handle this? Like, cause I'm seeing news from all over the world and then I'm seeing it, you know, 35 minutes from us. And it's the focal point of the entire nation right now, if not internationally and some other parts and other, some other parts of the world too. And everyone's looking at the U S to be this beacon of hope and this We're leader of change. We're the model, but like, are Supposed we, to be. you know? Yeah. And like you want to be an individual too. And you kind of embody that, um, being an American, you know, and, and yeah. for people here and people we have on the show, it's, 
I think people always feel the same way about that. It's not about, it's always about love and creating a nice fostered community together, but it's hard. It's divisive right now. Absolutely. I mean, an example is I, I went to school with one of my, probably my best friend um, in my life right now. Um, I, I went, I met him in third grade. His mother, um, his, his, his uh, mothers were, were a lesbian couple and they ended up moving down um, to Southern Illinois because um, his one mom was a high up state police official. Not with, this, not with the state police, but with a, a uh, police department in the state of Illinois and they were higher up individuals. Um, and they were black. And I know from experience, from hearing it from him, that even while being the child of one of the most powerful police officers in the state of Illinois, he was still stopped multiple times because he was black driving in his neighborhood in southern illinois in a white community by uh police officers and it happens it sucks and it needs to change but even somebody who did nothing wrong and had the mother that he did it still happened to and that shows you that there is a disparity between the races in this country and there are things that need to be changed Mm -hmm. and it's as simple as that this is one of the smartest kids I know um, did nothing wrong, has no record, and they still pulled him over. Yeah. And it's just, it's sad to see, especially as like a 13-year-old kid <laughs> when I was younger. Um, he wasn't driving at 13, but like I've known him since I was a kid. And uh, it happened when he was like 16, 17. Um, it's, it's, it's pathetic to see <laughs> that it's happening, honestly. Pathetic is the only word that I can think of right now. Uh, when it comes to what happened, he obviously is okay. Nothing happened when he got stopped, um, and when the uh, uh, the the officer that pulled him over got wind of who his mother was, it, it ended pretty quick. Let's uh, let's say that, but that shouldn't happen. Right, shouldn't happen, and that's where that's where this 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 the disparities comes, and you want to fix that. Mm-hmm. And I think most Americans don't wish harm on other people. Mm. Unfortunately, they pick a side of the aisle. And they stick to it. And there's no real changing their mind. And that's a problem. It's not good. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, Libertarian, Green Party, whatever you are, I think everybody as human beings and Americans can agree that any injustice, well, not everybody, but any injustice should be tackled. And if it came from an area where it wasn't political, I think everybody other than some bad people in this country would agree with that. Yeah, just to be humane. Yeah, that's it. I think it's kind of with, uh, with your friend. Um, that story kind of encompasses what's happening with the, with the, with the professional sports and started in the NBA last night, where we hold these players up because we see them on TV as almost like monuments. There's yeah. no, they don't have struggles in life because they're wealthy and they're, they're famous. Robots, to right? Us. Exactly, and they have this uniform on a little uniform where it shows their identity and. When they take that jersey off at the end of the day, they take a helmet off, take that hat off, they're still black young men yep. out, in, out in society that aren't recognizable to every single person. Exactly. Especially if you don't watch the sports that they play in. Or if it's an NFL player where he's wearing a helmet the entire time or a baseball player who's wearing a hat. At the end of the day, like they also talk about light, they're identified as young black men driving really nice cars. Yeah. And in certain parts of the country... You're pulled over for that, and we don't we forget we don't we forget to remove the individual from the accolades we put them in, see them in on a daily basis on a television screen. Absolutely, and I mean, on on the same thing goes for police officers. 
There's mm. there's bad police officers, and there's so many good ones. Right, right, right. And I mean, ask any cop. Uh, it, no one wants to deal with a bad cop. No right. one wants to be on a beat with a bad cop. Right. And and unfortunately, our fraternal order of police unions in this country prevent a lot of those bad cops from being fired. For sure. That's that's it. I mean, we need to change the way that we we get rid of the police in our country when it comes to bad police officers. They mm. should not be protected. It's that's it. No one. No one. That's a bad person or that wishes harm on anybody or or just wakes up and mm-hmm. wants to hurt somebody should be protected. As a business owner, do you guys get to know the cops in your neighborhood? To an extent, yeah. I mean, if there's incidents, which luckily we haven't had many, but right. um, to an extent, yeah. It was really interesting today. I was at an account where I sold two cases of whiskey and felt, wow, I achieved <laughs> a lot in life today. <laughs> <laughs> Big achievement in this day and age. Going oh, out yeah. to celebrate. But before I walked in there, there was uh, a scuffle between, I don't know, six or seven guys. All of them were black in front of the liquor store. And you could tell that, like, one guy was causing it all and the other guys were like what are you doing man be cool cops came um talked to one of the store owners and the guys were out the guys were gone by this point and the cops were there for like 10 minutes or something like that and went to my meeting uh the back room in their offices i come back and three of the guys of this group of guys were in the store talking to him and like apologize and he's like dude i know you guys i might i wasn't calling the cops on you i yeah. was calling on the guy on the one bad actor and that, i thought that was such a cool thing to see inside of a community where they know each other it's like a, bus- a business owner knows his patrons and you know it, they called the cops because they thought something was going to happen dangerous i don't know the whole situation i wasn't there for it all but they also those guys were cool enough to come back say sorry he was like i know you guys are cool with it don't worry about it we'll figure this out together and not rely on thank you and not rely on um i guess law enforcement to solve it which i wish that we'd happen more of where we absolutely we could call other numbers and other support systems than just to call the cops for every single little discrepancy you might see exactly at the end of the day our police officers are stretched thin they deal with everything from domestic violence to a drunken homeless guy walking down the street right. yeah, we and called, we called in a shooting uh last night and oh. then the cops the cops were just like, yeah, we already got a call on it. And then they never showed up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the What's end of the day, they're stretched five too shots thin. fired and nobody shows up. Especially since just there's ignored. an unprecedented rate of retirement right now between cops for yeah. obvious reasons. Um, yeah. Well, political reasons too, I guess. Yeah. Uh, necessarily obvious, but you know, they feel like they're being shortchanged by society and some, some Honestly, response. To yeah, counter to counter that, um, so nice. Danny's, Danny's going back for some white claw. <laughs> to counter that, I I the I make I know, it extra strong with vodka poured in it though. So <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of police officers and police officers in the city. I grew up here. I grew up in Humboldt Park, mostly Puerto Rican neighborhood. My cousins are half Puerto Rican and Italian. Um, I've lived in Humboldt Park, Bridgeport, Old Irving Park, mm. uh, Norwood Park. I've lived in a lot of different parts of the city. I know a lot of police officers and. I would say the retiring rate is just because obviously the bad cops need to be taken care of, but there's a lot of good police officers on the force. And whether it's true or not, they feel like they're being marginalized. Um, and given the political, nat- like our, our current political culture, it's like in the city of Chicago, as an example, we're a liberal city. Mm-hmm. We've, we've always been a liberal city. Right. Maybe not as liberal as today, which is it, we evolve, we change, but they feel that they're being marginalized and they're not allowed to do their jobs. And like I said, there's a lot of good cops out there. We need to focus on the bad ones. Mm -hmm. We need to focus on changing policy that affects the bad police officers on the force, not the good ones. I mean, 
mental health screenings hmm. as a small example. Very small. They need to be much more rigorous. They need to be extremely in-depth. Our training should not take, what is it, eight weeks or eight months or something like that. It should be a full year. I think it's, I think it's only like eight weeks. Yeah, I, I'm pretty well, sure it's only eight weeks. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's very That's very That's long, insane. Right? Yeah. I mean, a lawyer has to go to school <laughs> for seven years. A doctor has to school, go to school for eight years, depending on the right. area he pre- decides to practice medicine. It could medicine. be like 17 years. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean... We have we have malpractice in our in our healthcare industry, yeah. but it's weeded out and there's no code of silence and it's dealt with. That has to be the same way we deal with cops. Uh, uh, same thing, mm-hmm. better training, better mal- mental health exams, and better weeding out of people that should not be enforcing our laws. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, there's no better way of summing that up at yeah. all, and then it creates more. Cohesiveness in your community too, when there's people that are all engaged that way, not just going out on their own, and they feel like you said marginalized by society now, the public at large. Absolutely. Um, based on protesting and other things that have happened, that have unfortunately fallen off of that, which being rioting and looting and kind of being caught in the middle. Where do you where do you go? I guess as a cop, where how do you feel yeah. when well, was to become a cop? It's not. It's not. There's not like an interview process or anything. Is it's. Like, isn't it a well, pretty big selection process? No, like to no, join I mean, a to no. join a lottery to even get like picked to become. Well, you a ap- you apply yeah. and, and and it's essentially a lottery and you get picked and I mean you, there's mental health screenings and there's training but it's just not enough right now. Um, it's not extremely hard to be a cop, but I know a lot of people that have got denied. Yeah, and it's under you're under underappreciated, yeah, so just like I would be talking about teachers too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Call it and bartenders, Danny. <laughs> Very unappreciated. I think, I mean, yeah, no, to, to, just to, to kind of trail off on that, I think the one thing that we need in this city yeah. is officer-friendly, and that's something that they did right. back in the day, and it's it's many police officers that are uniformed going into communities, at community centers, teaching kids how to play basketball, if that's what they do, teaching kids how to play yeah. baseball, connecting with the community that they serve. So there's not a disconnect if you're white or black or Asian or Hispanic or anything. It's just... You're a community member serving your community as a police officer, but you have to tell, like, show people that you're good and that you want to further the community rather than just stop the violence or crimes that happen in the community. Mm-hmm. It has to be cohesiveness on all fronts. It, it, there's just not enough solidarity. I mean, like I said, police officers come in all colors, and they want the best for the community, whether there's bad officers out there that don't. That doesn't matter. Uh, you, we need to bring our city together and the country as a whole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what better place to do that than bars, too? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm prop that up a little bit. Trailing off. <laughs> prop it. Yeah. There That's you go. There you go. There you no, go. I didn't want your voice to trail off. No, I think it's a really great point to say. And, you know, there is, we don't have those right now, those facilities to do that in. I mean, other yeah. than going to the park and standing a few feet away from each other, I guess, if you do that. Um, but... It's kind of the only place. I mean, gyms are kind of back open. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you go to your grocery store, but you can't even sit in a coffee shop and have a coffee, which I'm not the biggest deal in the world, but the bar just, is, a yeah, bar is that really place in that go. environment. Cause it's I, away from socialization. socialization. Yeah, there's nowhere to go to be, to be social. Right, and that was one of the biggest things that uh, I felt was taken away from us and just vanished so quickly was that Bars, cafes, whatever it may be, are extensions of our living rooms in big cities like Chicago. Absolutely, where we go, like to get, like you know, get away from your wife after five months. I don't know, <laughs> um, do some stuff like that. But it really, truly is a place where you can go 
interact with people in your neighborhood you wouldn't see or, or talk to on a daily basis or go meet a friend or just go by yourself and get out of your get out of your headspace and you know watch a game on a TV inside of a bar yep. that's that's one of the coolest things about this place too you'll see like politicians then professional athletes right next to blue collar workers I mean we've There's we've had Lori Lightfoot in here two times in the last couple months just as an example Rahm Emanuel came into the place on his last day in office nice it's it's we have a lot of different people that come in here it's it's a unique place and it's like you guys said social social socialization not social yeah. distancing yeah there's Oops. no other place you would you would see that you know you're not socializing at a grocery store yeah. or anything yeah. like that can you guys yeah. legally even do karaoke what can you guys legally do karaoke in here so honestly it's very vague um we take all of the precautions necessary we require people to wear a mask yeah we make them hand sanitized before getting on stage we make them do it after getting off stage um the only way that you can sign up is through our app um and yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we we take the exact same steps that you would go through to be sitting at the table and getting served, mm-hmm. compared to singing a song. Gotcha. Uh, so it's the same thing, really, for us at least. We're we're doing the exact same thing to try and make sure that we're in compliance, whether there's actual law written or not. Gotcha. Because anything over a hundred people is considered a concert. I think that's yeah. The so you, obviously your occupancy can't even be that high. I no, right, right now, now I, our our current occupancy right now is um, twenty five people. So we can have 12 and a half people in each room. I don't know about the half. But Seriously? There's only 12 in here? 12 and a half. Because we have a total of 100-person occupancy um, between the two rooms. It's 50 each. Um, and, I mean, we have it's 25% right now. So 25% yeah. of 100 is 25. So, it's, it's, so it's such easy, it's such easy math, but when you put it like that, it's still mind-blowing. It's, it is. It, oh. It sucks. I mean, because realistically, we could have a good amount more people in here while still following the guidelines and social distancing. Right, right. Um, Especially when you're a responsible bar running it responsibly. Exactly. I mean, we, we've, unfortunately, like Danny said earlier, I mean, we've had to kick a couple people out because they don't follow the rules. Right. And, and it is what it is. I, I'm a proponent of wearing masks. And if you're not going to wear one, you're going to get asked to leave. Um, it's as simple as that. As that. We're not going to risk anybody's lives, especially our employees and customers. Like, come on. I agree. And uh, it's it's tough with the hours too, having to close at eleven. Oh, so I was if you ask think you about, about that. it, yeah. that's the worst. Twelve people, and twelve people can be in there. Is there a law about how long people can be here after eleven? Um, I, I in the beginning I don't think so, but now there is. Um, I believe it was the fact that the mayor ex- extended the opening hours till midnight, but you have to stop serving alcohol oh. or any type of liquor at um, eleven. Right. So I think that. People are technically allowed to stay in here and finish their drinks until midnight, right. but then they have to be gone. Right. Um, and that extra hour, someone finishing their drink, and if you're a waiter or a bartender, that sucks because you're not going to make money from that. Yeah, you're just standing around, clearing right. tables, the, the 12 people right. that are here. Because there's one bar I was at till it was probably midnight, and it was only because we... Uh, I knew the, the manager, so we were just hanging out, and like he welcomed us staying there after we were we didn't order anything after eleven, of course, but we were hanging out, and the whole bar was basically cleaned up by that time. I mean, cause yeah. you're not you're, it's such a low occupancy of people that there's not a lot to do. But if there's you know five to ten people sitting around, uh, you know, just kind of sipping on a drink for an hour, that sucks as a bartender because you know you can't make the tips in that time space and you can't make money from it. Yeah, if people knew they could buy more drinks, they'd probably finish that drink a little quicker. Do you, you have people I mean? that come up to the bar and like order three drinks at like 10.55? No. Okay. I, I give them the option though. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're so kind. Well, I was wondering if that people like. I'm not saying you allow it, but I was saying if people try, try it. it. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, I've had a couple people try it. Um, not very often, honestly. People usually heed the rules and they they understand. I mean, a majority of people in this country, in the city, get it. They don't want to ruffle feathers. They don't want us to get in trouble because of their want to stay and drink. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd say most people are pretty understanding when it comes to the rules. So I guess the common theme I find for a lot of the bars I've been talking to over the last month or so is that without regulars, they aren't even sure if it'd be worth staying open for. I mean, I agree. Yeah. Honestly, if we didn't have our regulars, I would not be open right now. Are these people that are after work crowd regulars or people that live in the neighborhood? Um, everything. Yeah. We've developed a group of regulars over the last 13 years. I mean, we've had a couple. Um, I'm going to give them a shout out. Andre and Carol have been coming here for 12 years, a year after we opened. They, they raised are, you. They have been here for 12 years. So, uh, But when it comes to our group of regulars, it's all over the place. Down here, the burbs, um, people that work down here that come after work every other day or yeah. whatever whatever it may be we have a really strong group of regulars that's extremely broad when it comes to their occupation or where they're from or who they are you know what i mean yeah they're, they're all friends too they yeah like you a, told me that one they, yeah. like, they have a group chat they've they all, all they talk. all turned this into is friends. like their yeah this is like their their hangout we are we are the cheers the, for this yeah, group awesome. of people exactly that are, that's that what it's like didn't like they the think cheers. one guy died or something yeah <laughs> Yeah, he put a and post he on Facebook. <laughs> he put a post on Facebook like, guys, I didn't die. I don't know what the hell they're saying, but it was one of our other guys that come here that said it, and it was just everybody was, like, freaked out, like, oh, my God, and then it's like, okay, I'm fine. And we're like, cool. <laughs> Thank he, God. like, didn't respond to the group text for a while, <laughs> and then everybody's here, like, singing his favorite songs, and he's like, hey, guys, I'm not dead. <laughs> still here. The wake <laughs> is over. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I guess, like, I mean, it's kind of one of those realities, though, that you have to – unfortunately think about when you don't hear from somebody for a while and no one has and you're yeah like, oh, especially if you don't know their family right. or, or close close friends and it's just kind of like the friend group of the bar mm-hmm. i mean not everybody sees each other every day it's kind of just contact through yeah. the phone or seeing each other at brando so there was a manager at one of the Benny's locations that passed away and look at that the- speaking of a regular <laughs> bring him on no, don't, do that. don't do that we had yeah Bad stories that bring people on from the bar. Um, <laughs> but there's a manager at Benny's that passed away, and initially everyone thought, oh, COVID. It was early April, yeah. a couple of weeks in, and it, it had nothing to do. It was unrelated heart attack, and kind of the rumors just spread from there. But everyone's first thought is, oh, did they not unfortunately they unfortunately not survive the pandemic? But it's kind of a morbid thought, but understandable. Yeah, I mean, it it, it sucks. Uh, that's all I can say about it. It, right. it, it just sucks. It's it's hard to it's it's hard to deal with everything going on right now. There's a lot of emotions, and and it's coming from every different right. every dip, every side. I, I mean, people losing their life savings, mm. people dying, people getting depressed and not being able to get through it, and committing suicide. And I mean, it's hard. It's it's difficult to deal with. Sure, it's hard to open a bar during a pandemic as well. Yeah, I mean the regulations are a bit tough, but we'll deal with it. Yeah. I mean we have no other option. Uh, it seems like every town is completely different on how they act. Like, oh right, you go up north. I was up north in like Edison Park. Everybody's just like chilling, like it's like regular bars. You go to Humble Park. Everybody's a little bit laid back. Mm-hmm. You come down to the Loop. Everybody's wearing a mask with like their own sanitizer, and they're right. super strict about it. Uh, Lincoln Park. Everybody respects it really well with their masks yeah. and everything so for the most yeah. part it's, but you're right the neighborhoods it's different, are different every single yeah, neighborhood the more north you get 
kind of get to the like Lincoln Square, Ravenswood area, definitely like much more mask occupation, more families and stuff up there too, mm-hmm. I guess. But yeah, even though there's some bars that got fined up there like two weekends ago for having 80 people there after midnight and stuff like that. I but. mean, what sucks is is that um, we're following the guidelines strictly, right? right? As, as a business in the loop, especially not that we wouldn't anywhere else, but we are in the spotlight. We're right by the federal building, the daily building, the Good daily, point. all that, all the stuff that the government has ran on is right by us. So we're following it strictly. And um, recently we had city inspectors come in and uh, they came to check if we were doing the social distancing and following all the rules, which we were. Yeah. And the only thing that we got cited for was extending our patios. Um, the fact that they have the gall right. to fine us when we have made no money over the last six months or whatever it's months, been. Yeah. yeah, since March, pretty much since St. Patrick's Day, the Monday right. after the St. Patrick's Day parade. Yep. Um, the fact that they have the gall to fine us is just extremely insane. It was really small, too. It wasn't like an extra foot out. Not it was even. maybe oh, two, geez. three feet out. But the, and you the, don't the, have the foot traffic down here as usual. Exactly. Yeah. I, one, of their, one of their things was it needs to be six feet from the blue line entrance. We were, I think, five feet, maybe five and a half. Oh, my gosh. Um, and we've been closed because of the city's guidelines. Why would they find a small business? We are not a corporation. Right. We aren't violating the social distancing rules. They have patios on the entire street in, on Broadway, right. up on the north yeah. side. So why can't we do that? Right. That's where, I, that's where I'm lost in translation. And that's where I come to the fact and the conclusion that Mayor Lori Lightfoot is, is in, incapable of running the city effectively. Mm. I don't think Rahm Emanuel would have done that. Rahm Emanuel, say whatever you want about him. Yeah. Right. Politically speaking or personally speaking, as a person, say whatever you want about him. But he got it. He he understood city politics. He understood how it worked, how the city ran. Pro I mean, he was a, back into the city too. Yeah, I mean, he was a chief of staff for Bill Clinton. Like, he's he's a smart guy. And I'm not saying Lori Lightfoot isn't smart. She's a very smart woman. She's gotten to a p- position um, that is uh, is uh, uh, I applaud her for it. Yeah. But. To find a small business, we have three businesses, one of which opened during the pandemic. Right. right. To find a small business and give a ticket for something that you're doing in other parts of the city is laughable. I agree. No, I couldn't agree with you more than that. And when we have businesses that are truly operating out of the guidelines and out of the rules, what are violating Absolutely. the law. Find them. Right. Close them. Do whatever you right. want. They're endangering our populace. That's your rules. They're not following them. Go for it. Right. But when it comes to a patio that we extended a couple more feet during the time where we were only allowed to sit people on the patio right. so we could make a little more money, mainly for our staff, because we're going to be okay through this, mm-hmm. mainly for our employees, the fact that they decided to take that and run with it as, mm-hmm. as an issue is just unbelievable. And those first couple weekends up in Broadway, it was a complete shit show. Absolutely. I mean, people were just walking around, myself too, because no one knew the laws, the rules, that with open container all through there, you're sitting down at all these tables. You have no idea if like this table is for that restaurant or yep. that restaurant, if it's a public space. But guess what? Nobody was fine. There was one bar that was shut down because they yeah. had way too many people inside. It was pretty obvious what they were doing, which they should have rightfully so. Yeah, absolutely. But they had another bar. I don't know if they got fined. Um, but they had their booths outside on the sidewalk and also in the street, 
And there's just groups of like eight to ten people sitting on top of each other next to another group of eight to ten people, yep. which is absolutely not socially distancing. It's insane. And it's fine during the daytime. It's been proven that COVID basically dies in sunlight, direct sunlight, but not at nighttime. Even if that's not true, you're right. outside. Right. And the chances of getting it is they're low. It just honestly, the, the whole thing that happened with us, it just makes me lose faith. To a point where I've never lost faith in our city's government that much. Not right. that we're ran well in <laughs> any means, but I have lost faith to such an extreme extent in our city's government um, that it's just I, I can't even comment on it anymore right. because it's depressing to think about. Now, with the state of Illinois, um, it's a little bit of a different story. I applaud the fact that they dropped the numbers that much. The, the, they, they flattened the curve. They did what the country wanted. Mm-hmm. But the city of Chicago is so hypocritical in so many different areas of enforcing these rules. Right, right. And and arbitrary ones, too. There's no one down here for it to matter if right. there's six feet from the blue line. All I'm worried about is a disabled person being able to get through that space in their wheelchair or motorized cart without any obstruction. That's all I care about. Because anybody else can walk through a, a space that's four feet wide. I, I walked in here last week carrying four bags of photography equipment. It was just easy enough. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It was plenty of space. Yeah. And, I, I, and I agree. There's a lot of the hypocrisy of this of this whole entire last five to six months that gets you so frustrated. And you, so you, you, frustrated. Lose, you lose faith in your what supposedly elected leaders. Yeah. And they are elected, but I don't know if they're actually leading in some sense. But... You know, it's. Uh, I look at the the beachfront is the best example where you can't go hang out on the beach, but you can hang out in the the steps of the beachfront. Uh, yeah. And it's just crowded. I live right by there, so I go down there walk my dog every weekend. But you can't walk your dog anymore because there's so many people lying and laying out and hanging out on the beachfront. But you can't sit on the beach. Yeah. And then and, and be outside is the safest place to be. And I don't know if you guys agree, but that shows in in a, in a way um, when you don't have somebody that's been in government for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a problem. We don't want people to be serving our city or state or, or yeah. country for 40 years. But that's where kind of the problems lie when you have an amateur that has never served in government, has never been the governor or mayor or councilman or anything mm-hmm. in a city coming into office and not knowing what they're doing. Well, even like with like, I don't mean to call out the Wrigleyville bars, but like Old Crow, for example, like they can have hundreds of people technically inside of that building because they have the occupancy space. Yep. Are they but considered a patio because they're rooftop? Rooftop, they're, I believe roof so. Yeah. And, then, opens. and then the roof opens in yeah. that space too, and they have a rooftop. <clears throat> uh, but then like your local dive bar can't be open for 12 customers because they don't serve food. It's 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 just, honestly, it's hypocritical. Yeah, I don't I don't think like they really know what to do. They're just making up, right. making up rules. Like, but if this goes Because French fries can save lives. Yeah, French fries <laughs> yeah, save lives. Yeah, yeah. Mayor, Dil- Mayor <laughs> Bill de Blasio like is, a, is a prime example of <laughs> right. that. I mean, like I said, it, the, the inexperience, you, you usually don't want an ultra-experienced politician to be in office because, I, I mean, at the end of the day, their, their, their purpose is to get reelected. Right. So when you think, oh, new person, oh, you have fresh faces, they're, they're genuine, whatever... I voted for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. I liked her a yeah. lot. I did not like Tony Prackwinkle. And right now, I am kicking myself <laughs> in the ass. You never know how that would... I mean... You don't. Right. It, it, you it, don't. And I will give... I give the politicians the benefit of the doubt just because we've never been through this. Yeah. I think she's doing a hell of a lot of job, better, better job than a lot of other mayors. And Agreed. Of, and governors. I mean, I look at the state of Iowa right now where I'm from and it's just a complete mess. So, um, yeah. But it, it's, it's hard, but I do agree with you too. But, you know, like... You have to tell your employees 
not to find small businesses for the cases that you're talking about. This is yeah. that's not what, that's not what your job is. Your job isn't the deck. Your job is to go into a bar, and if it's 11:30 and there's 100 people inside of a bar, it should have only 40 people inside of there. That's your job. That's I, your I, job. I, I, was, I was here when they came in. It just they came in like looking for stuff. They right. were like inspecting everything. It's yeah. about consistency, <laughs> and that's in any industry in this world. Right. Any industry, government is an industry. It's about consistency. Consistency is key. And if you are not consistent in the way that you enforce your laws and regulations and rules, then you will fail. And us as an example, we should not have been fined for that. Absolutely. I'm sorry. We did not violate any rules in connection with COVID. It's sad because while I respect the mayor and I appreciate the fact that she's trying to do a good job for the city because I know she's... Most people don't deep down want anything bad to be inflicted on people. But right now, we have thousands of small businesses in the city, if not more, maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of businesses that are failing because they're unable to open. It's and then sad, on the, on the other every day. Yeah, and then on the other hand you have the city finding people and it's just like God well, damn. Even those even those places with patios, what's gonna happen in a month when they can't they can't even open up the patios because it's gonna be too cold. So yep. even more businesses are gonna fail. Like yeah. those ones that are able to run smoothly now with the big patios and stuff like that. Once it once it gets cold, those places are gonna be in the same boat that we are with the tavern licenses and stuff. Yeah. It's hard. It, we really need to find a middle ground between protecting the populace and also protecting the lives of American citizens. Because, I mean, us as a small business owner, um, we employ over 20 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, those are that's 20 jobs that are being lost technically. I mean, I, they're currently being held because we're open, but they're not making any money. And I'm trying to help them on the back end a little bit by throwing them a little extra cash here and there to, to, to try and, and, and kind of push them along. But it, it, it's just hard. There has to be a balance. And right now, I think we're, we're weighing on the opposite end of the scale, and it's not in the middle right now. I don't think our voices are being heard as, as, as you know, the people of the city. Want to yeah. know one of the biggest problems? What? There is a restaurant association of <laughs> Illinois. Is there a bar association of Illinois? So you guys don't even fall into that at all? No. I mean, if you want to technically say we do, we, you, you could because a lot of restaurants serve alcohol. But, I mean, the Restaurant Association of Illinois is looking out for restaurants. Yeah, and they're doing a great job of it. I mean, Yeah, absolutely. They're fighting for the restaurant's rights. They understand that. At the end of the day, if they close, you lose jobs. And if 40% of the restaurants in, in, in the Chicago area close... 300,000 people in oh Illinois alone. God, it's bad. I feel like uh, restaurants, because there's so many celebrity chefs and stuff, and the voice is heard from them more, but there's not a lot of celebrity bartenders out there trying even, to push even it. Even if they are, they aren't starting yeah. a bar group like a restaurateur is. Exactly. And I mean, I know restaurants are food-based and sustenance and all that stuff but you know what bars um a lot of people come to bars to release tension like you said earlier it's a socialization aspect of 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 our culture and it it employs so many people like even jake is employed because of bars yeah Um, which farmers are employed because of restaurants and stuff like that barley and Um, Absolutely. Bartenders, servers, and like cleaning from crews. our perspective like, as salespeople, it's like I don't even want to go into bars because I know like it's struggle for you guys to keep your doors even open. Like, yeah. well, I'm gonna go ask you to buy my alcohol right yeah, now. It's, it's I haven't tough. had one of our distributors contact me because they know how bad it is. Right. I told them at the start, I was like, guys, 
listen, I'm sorry if I don't order, but I just can't right now. I haven't made one order yeah. to any company other than our, our, our food company. So we sustain the fact that we have food right. to to um, get any product. It's just, it, it sucks because you know that they rely on, like you, that you rely on the sales. And it's like, damn, I really wish that I could be ordering right now because my reps are great people. Mm-hmm. But it just, you can't. And, and I, I can't it's bring out any risk. new product. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge risk. Opening alone, especially in our area, given the circumstances in the city, opening down in the loop is an enormous risk. I mean, we are making no money right now. Yeah, just to be frank. Right. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but we're open for our regulars that come after work that still work down here or travel, and we're open for the people that want to come in when they want to come in, and that's and and we're open mainly for our employees. And at the end of the day, that's who we're really open for. Oh, well, I applaud you guys for that. Any any uh, final words, Danny? Um, Give us something positive. Uh, positive? Yeah. Uh, Brandon brings up a lot of good points. I didn't know he was that smart. <laughs> He's an intelligent, he intelligent here, man. man. Oh, God. Maybe he should start <laughs> the bar the bar association. <laughs> hey, I, I, somebody want to contact me? I'm down to get on board. But it, I, I think yeah, it really you should is start needed. the come to Brandon's and talk to him about it. <laughs> no, I think you. I mean, I think you should. I mean, honestly. You have the perspective to do it and the insight, obviously, after being growing up here, essentially. Yeah, it's just about taking care of the community. Right. And the bar community is a part of the community. Yeah. We have a lot of workers. It's not like it's robots doing the job. People have to be thought about no matter what industry they're in. Right. And, and that goes for everything in this country right now. It doesn't matter what type of industry. So, I mean, we really do need something to, to advocate for the bars in the city. Not that I would be the person to do that. Somebody should, though. I think so. Uh, I'll, I'd be on board to help, but I mean, it, it needs to happen. So, but you have a well, pretty face. You got to get out there. there you look go. good on a poster. I like it. <laughs> no, and everybody we've talked on the podcast, kind of like what we've been doing over the last few months too, is advocating for bars. Um, you know, small distilleries and everything like that to stay alive and stay afloat, so we can actually have fun here uh, when, when the world does change back to uh, a better place. Hopefully it's soon. I hope so. The good thing is the world is a very great place. There's just a lot of darkness being shown right now. I have no doubt that a majority of Americans, if put in the same room, would get along and love each other. And that's all I sleep on at night because I love all people. I don't care who the hell you are, what you believe in. I don't care. At the end of the day, the point is to be an American and be cool with each other and help each other. The tough thing is everybody, everybody's opinions are so strong to where... If a disagreement turns into a fight, right. and that's not, it's not right, don't be. It's a, don't it's, right. you can't have a civilized argument. You know, it's honestly, just, it don't be gets, afraid to be wrong. Exactly, don't yeah. be afraid to be wrong. And you know what? Your vote, your vote, your choice. Love At it. the end of the day, that's it. that motivational man right no. there who's going to be running no, no, president. No, no, no. I think so. Illinois I think so. I think in like no. ten, 10 years from now, we'll look back on this I, podcast. I as love, a I love point. the encouragement, but <laughs> I don't think I'm uh, cut out for that. Well, either way, let's hope somebody does it if I do not. Well, gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining us. It's another great conversation. Um, The third time around for your whole crew. Danny did a wonderful job co-hosting. Thanks. I did my best. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm glad we all wore white t-shirts for this occasion (laughs) as well. Keep it color coordinated. Thanks Um, for having me. I'm going to get Brandon's face put on this. Brandon for president.
on my white tee. I like it. No, I don't think I could do that. Let's do it. Well, Brendan, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me. It any, was fun. Anytime. We'll do it again sometime. This is uh, Jake from Star Ward Whiskey over in Melbourne, Australia. I am absent of Callum and or Wilson, but I do have my Danny. Sweet. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs>